I think everyone knows the standard method that comic book superheroes use to disguise their real identities. They always have an alter ego. If I mention the mild-mannered reporter Clark Kent, everybody will know he's really Superman. So that's who he really is. Or if I mention Peter Parker, most people will know that he's not just an awkward young amateur photographer. He's really Spider-Man. And in comic books, you know, the, one of the difficulties that superheroes always have is how to keep their alter ego a secret while they go about doing good for the world. So we know that standard story. But then there is the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes people try to compare or, or try to explain the Lord's mission as if he were a superhero, a kind of superman. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. For one thing, Superman isn't real. He's fictional. He's made up. Jesus is the most real person we will ever meet. So that's already a very big difference. And Jesus is a special and a unique case. For sure, today's gospel should make that obvious to us. Jesus does, in a certain sense, sneak into the human condition unnoticed. That's what happens at Christmas time. Who knows that God is present? But he's not wearing a disguise. It's not a false identity, an alter ego. He really is a man. He really is a man, but he also really is God. He's two natures in one divine person. That's Jesus Christ. So he doesn't come to disguise himself. He comes to reveal himself, and he comes to reveal the Father. That's his mission. Now that takes us to the extraordinary event that I just read about in this gospel, the transfiguration on the holy mountain. What happens up on the mountain? What, what really goes on here? Well, Jesus is transformed in appearance before three eyewitnesses, Peter, James, and John. Jesus' humanity, which up to now was all they could see, is suddenly radiant with divine glory. He no longer looks like an ordinary man, not a mild-mannered carpenter from Nazareth. No, he looks like, well, he looks like the sun. His face is so bright that they can't look directly at his face. It's like the sun. And then two figures are suddenly standing with him, Moses and Elijah. They represent the law and the prophets meaning the whole tradition of the Old Covenant, the Law and the Prophets. The presence of these two men from the Old Testament, it tells us that everything that came before Jesus was preparing for him, pointing to him, leading up to him. That's what it means to have Moses and Elijah speaking with him on the mountain. Remember what Philip said when he first spoke to his friend Nathaniel, about Jesus, he said, we have found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law and also the prophets, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. 
That was the announcement, that this Jesus is who, the one whom Moses spoke about and the prophets spoke about. That's why they're here on the mountain with him. And he sure doesn't look like son of Joseph now on this mountain. He looks like the sun. Remember, pagan religions often worshipped the sun because the sun is so powerful, it's too bright even to look at. People thought the sun was a god. Well, now it's God revealing himself as bright as the sun. Now, at, at first, the apostles are, are, are clearly amazed and overjoyed at this vision. And Peter speaks up and says how good it is for us to be here. This is really a great experience. He wants to make, set up three tents, stay there. It's a classic example of what is sometimes called the mountaintop experience. The, mountain, the mountaintop experience, the peak moment. We always want such moments to last forever. They don't, of course. They're not supposed to, in fact, we'll get to that in a moment. But this is a mountaintop experience. It's a, just a, a high point. And then, the thing continues, the bright cloud shows up, and from the cloud comes a voice. And now the apostles are not so sure that it's good to be here. Now it says in the Gospel, they were very much afraid. The voice says, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. As if to say, you don't have to only listen to Moses and the prophets whom you have been listening to all your lives. Now listen to him. He's the fulfillment of Moses and the prophets. Listen to him. And, and the apostles, when they hear the voice, they fall to the ground, prostrate. They collapse, they're overwhelmed. This voice that says Jesus is his son is not Saint Joseph from Nazareth. <laughs> this is God himself. This is the Father speaking from heaven. That's why they're overwhelmed. This is a divine revelation. This is a, this is a clear announcement and revelation of the true identity of Jesus. He is the Son of the Father. And there's also a clear commandment. Listen to him. So this is what happened. Now let's reflect a little bit on why Jesus did this, or why Jesus made this vision possible for his three apostles. And then let's reflect on why the church chooses to focus on this event in this holy season of Lent. So first of all, why did Jesus do this? Well, remember, he's on his way to Jerusalem now, where he will climb another mountain. Not a mountain where he will be transfigured in glory, but Mount Calvary, where he will be transfigured in suffering. He knows that very soon it will look to the apostles like he is defeated, that he is, that his mission has failed, and that the Father has abandoned him. And that is how it will look. We know the story. That's what it looks like. Look at a cross. It looks like failure. And Jesus knows that, that uh, now, these three apostles know something that goes beyond what they see. They, they, they have an awareness or a knowledge that goes beyond appearances. Appearances do not tell the whole story. He, he gives them something to strengthen their 
faith, which is a deeper way of seeing than just seeing with our eyes. Beneath human suffering on the cross, there is a divine person at work doing the work of salvation. And, and this person is the beloved son of the Father. He can't be defeated. He's God. And the apostles know because the voice has already told them that Jesus is pleasing to the Father. Therefore, his suffering is not a sign that the Father has abandoned him. And this is a very important lesson for us too. Suffering does not mean that God has abandoned us or that God is against us. We should not be so quick to conclude whenever we or our loved ones suffer that God is punishing us or that God no longer loves us. No, that's not the message of Jesus. Rather, God is doing something beneath the surface, something that we cannot see yet. So why does Jesus reveal himself on the holy mountain? He's giving the apostles a foretaste of heavenly glory. They don't understand it, they won't understand it until after he rises from the dead. That's why he tells them, don't tell anybody about this until after I rise from the dead. But when they see him in glory, when they see him risen from the dead, then they'll remember, oh, we, we saw a glimpse of this glory back there on the mountain. It's the same thing. Now we understand why he showed us that. He was giving us a preview. Now we know what happened to the, the apostles, the, the faith of the apostles will be shaken by the passion. They will stumble, but they can recover. They can recover because of what they have learned on the holy mountain. So that's Jesus giving his apostles this boost, this preview, this glimpse of the future. Now, why this, the second question is, why does the church focus on this event today in Lent, on the second Sunday of Lent? We might ask, isn't Lent supposed to be a kind of desert time, a sorrowful, a sacrificial journey of penance and self-denial? What, what, how does this vision of glory fit into this sorrowful Lenten journey? Well, the church knows that our faith is weak too, like the three apostles. We're just like them. The church knows that we're not really ready to face the cross. It's hard to persevere in times of suffering. Of course it's hard. So what do we need? Well, we need to know what comes after the cross. We need to have a reason to persevere. We need to have a glimpse of the prize that we're striving for, of the trophy that comes after the race, of the reward that comes after the battle. We need something that gives us an incentive to keep going when the going gets tough. That's what a mountaintop experience is for. A mountaintop experience gives us what we wish could last forever, but it does not last forever in this life, on this side of the cross. It does last forever on the other side, if we have faith, in the next life. That's what this is a vision of, eternal glory. So it gives us a deeper understanding of what this whole Lenten exercise is about. It's not simply an exercise in useless self-denial. We're not just beating ourselves up for no reason. That would be, that would be unhealthy, psychologically perverse. 
No, it's not, it's not just a matter of going against ourselves. Lent is a preparation for Easter. The transfiguration, which we see here on the second Sunday of Lent, is a glimpse of Easter in the middle of Lent. It's a very wise thing to have a glimpse of the good that is to come to sustain us when we pass through the dark valley. It's not an escape. It's not a comic book. It's not a story to distract us from the hard realities of life. This is really the truth. This is a, a true glimpse to give us true confidence in anticipation of the glory that we do not yet see or that we can only see by faith. Remember, the apostles, they, after they went, when they went down the mountain, they couldn't see the glory anymore with their eyes, but they could see it with faith. Okay, let me just add one last, or point out one last detail from this account of the Transfiguration. This is unique to St. Matthew's account. After the three apostles fall prostrate to the ground in, in utter fear, what happens? Well, Jesus approaches them and touches them. And he says to them, rise, do not be afraid. The Gospel says they were very much afraid and Jesus touches them and says, rise, do not be afraid. We've heard that before, do not be afraid. It's a constant refrain of Jesus and, and of the whole Bible, do not be afraid. And then when they look up, he's the only one they can see. The vision is over. The wonderful and terrifying experience is suddenly over and Jesus is the only one they can see, they can experience. Well, this, is, this tells us something. Jesus is with us on this difficult journey of life. He's with us. He's near us. When we experience fear and suffering, he's with us. He touches us. He speaks to us. He assures us that we do not have to be afraid. Not only do we have assurance of future glory, yes, we also have assurance of Jesus' presence with us right now, touching us right now. And that's enough for us to persevere. So let's continue on this Lenten pilgrimage with strong faith. Let's not devote ourselves to making three tents, to, to clinging to past joys or, or clinging to some earthly paradise that we, that we hope could last forever. No, we go forward looking forward to the risen life, looking forward to a joyful and glorious union with Jesus our Lord.